Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome back to the Creep Dive. Thank you lots of people uh, uh, Patreon this week. We appreciate that uh, very much. If you haven't and you're listening, fuck you. Ah, uh, stop that now. <laughs> Thanks very much to our new patrons. It's a lovely t- um, just a, a nudge. Like, just like an elbow. She's it? just nagging. She We're going yeah. to fire through housekeeping up top because I'm excited to get onto my story. Bing bang, bosh. Bing bang, bosh. We had a fo- we because so I we used to start this- again. What? <laughs> Come on! I insulted everyone. Um, no, just just <laughs> you know. Yeah. Go on, guys. Um, sorry. I wanted to t- do housekeeping up top. Uh, totes. I still haven't arrived, but they're on the way. <sighs> Things will be sent out. Buy tickets for the Cork Podcast Festival. They're available on U-Ticket. They're running out. They're running out. It's Loads of people messaged us to see, to say that they've bought their tickets. We've no idea how um, many. I'm actually raging now. Sophie's taking out her knitting and I should have bought my crochet along because it's getting cold and I started a new hat it's yesterday. It's really depressing sitting with a couple of people who are crafting <laughs> in front of me. Um, <laughs> review of the week is for Jen Stan. Said, I only found this podcast in the last couple of weeks and have di- deep dived into all the back episodes. Still catching up, but cannot get enough. Love, love, love it. Hey, welcome. Um, dreading catching up in the current episodes because then I'll have to wait a week for the next one. Or sometimes it's 10 days, Jen. Don't get excited. Um, <laughs> also, 
one more oh yes so someone left a really bad review but i think it was for a different podcast because it made no sense and it was deleted but i wanted to what was give it? a shout out to that review because i so i use um i use tracking systems for the podcasts so i get all the reviews in before they're published and some of the reviews come in from all over the place but someone said, oh, my God, who could listen to two women that sound like drunk eight-year-olds that make no sense? It could have been from other podcasts. <laughs> um, their voices are stupid and wasteful, bullshitting for 20 minutes of the podcast about absolutely nothing. Wasn't enough. The horrendous sound equipment was worse. Worse than nails on a chalkboard. So whoever that review was for, that Brilliant. is fucking scathing. It oh, could have been, been bad. Well, I don't know. It's someone from the US. I feel like they found the wrong podcast because then they deleted the review or else they maybe had a change oh, of heart or maybe went meant to come back and say there's he would listen to three drunk eight-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know. But look, could I also we aim ne- to please. We've never had a podcast that short. <laughs> no, it's just minutes. for the first 20 minutes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Which is, I mean, there's a lot of crossover there. There's a lot of accuracies. That's why it kind of gave me spine tingles but uh i don't think it was for us and either way they deleted it so it's not their public it is now gas speaking of spine tingles we are planning something very very fun for the week of halloween i feel like we should is this too early because we want to push the pod cork festival and then we should tell them about the other in case they're like also like bitten off way more than we can chew or way more than we can sell because there's like there's genuinely enough live tickets there now for everyone in ireland and their distant cousins from the uk no no i prefer i think it's gas to play to five or six people (laughs) i think that's the most crack Come on, that'd be gas. But Cork is that. selling well. But we're doing. <laughs> never played we're doing. Anybody. Okay, let we just we'll, we'll, we can't we can't break no. from it like this and not say what it is. We just say well, there's the, a Halloween. A lot of people wanted a Halloween show, and, and we, we said fuck yeah. We'd like to give the people what they want. So yeah. There is a, a live creep. Details to follow. Details to follow. Dublin based. It'll be Dublin. on the thirtieth. It's in of October. City centre location. A very, very cool location. Very creepy. Very appropriate. Very, very, I very think there cool. will be people frightened to come. Yeah, well, Jen's planning a few little tricks. <laughs> if you see I'm going to cry for my story. Man walking around skip. with no head, it's probably just someone with their <laughs> slender man. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great we'll tell you more when we know more we'll tell you more but we will release the details to patrons first that so is be one of the perks tickets. of being a patron you will have first shot at buying the Halloween show tickets so we will be releasing them to patron one day and then general release the next day yes. so it's another incentive to pay your favourite creeps and just to say that there are more patrons than there are tickets so we're we're doing a live show of 80 people in Dublin and we have more than 80 patrons, quite Beautiful. a few more than 80, 80 patrons people. at the moment. Yeah. Every one of you. For everyone who's still listening and not fast forwarding through this in order to get to Creep Tales. Okay. We should tell creep them tales. about our cre- <laughs> I just renamed the pod there. Yeah. Uh, to get to our stories of creepness. Yes. We should talk about our stories. Cassie, I really want to hear your story. I think you should tell the first story. Okay, first. I'll tell the first God story. God damn, okay. I had Do a good creep to? of the week. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, creep of the week, please. very quick. Brexit. Creep of the week, super quick. It's PETA barbecuing the dog on Henry Street. What? It's Never. got to be. What? What? I'm getting this picture up. Bearing okay. in mind, my lovely 
quiet oh, rescue is asleep under the chair beside me. Okay, we shouldn't say it too loudly. Um, okay, so not a real dog. What is it? Just clarify. It's a, a mannequin dog that Peter um, barbecued on Henry Street this week oh, to my f- promote a vegan lifestyle. Have a look. You know this is why Lydia doesn't Ooh, eat pork It's because we were walking down Grafton Street And some like a circle of people Wearing those anonymous masks oh, Stood yeah. like in a circle back to back All holding laptops Of what happens in a slaughterhouse <gasps> yeah. And like once you saw that footage There's no way you could just eat pork in. I agree but I, but I think Like dear here are Peter promoting It's saying go vegan Yeah, I really think they should just target cheese for a change <laughs> Because I think Most people's problem With veganism Yes Is that they can't eat cheese It's the dairy aspect Like I'm vegetarian But I'd find it really hard To give up cheese and butter It's the butter I'm trying aspect to. for me It's the butter Yeah Because it's As a vegetarian I just use other things As vessels to eat butter Yeah But this is a really Realistic looking dog It really is and That is horrific It's like basically Kind of all singed And burned at one end And then with a little Cute furry head but on guys, it It's an animal Like everything else is so um, I don't I I think they need to Rehire a communications Person there Because that is Having adverse effects I definitely think I mean think it's not it's making me Want to eat meat But it's making me want To avoid everything That they do And yes. any association With them well, it's too hard line. Like, I think that that's what people find hard with veganism and things like that. Is yeah. if it feels so dogmatic. Sorry, pardon the. But, you know, that you you won't be able to kind of, it's all or nothing. Like, it's t- classic pita. Classic I pita. Just, yeah. Give me a good vegan cheese that isn't based on yeah. nutritional yeast. And Put I'll be all happy your out. sources into improving the vegan butter situation. Yeah. And we'll talk. That's your creep of the week? Yeah. Yeah, appropriate. Okay, so I have a really fun creep uh, creep story this week. Inspired by the launch of Filter This, which is Love Sophie's it. White's new novel. We went to the launch. Um, we, had a, we had a creep night out. We, we met in creeps now. in real life and it was a lot of fun. Starstruck. Audible? Yeah, <laughs> so buy Sophie's new book, which is about a woman on Instagram who... Gets into a precarious situation, isn't isn't forthcoming with the truth. Shall we? Shall we say? Oh, you can say it. It's no spoilers. The main character nice of filter vague. this accidentally leads her followers to believe she is pregnant when it immediately starts paying off in SpawnCon and likes and follows. She decides to run with the lie. Okay, amazing. So I went down the road of trying to find a woman in real life who had done the same thing, and what I found instead. And I haven't covered it this week because I found a better kind of Instagram lie story. But what I found was a very short story of there is a creep in the US. You know, in the US, they do private adoptions. Yeah. What does that mean? As in like, you know, the way here, if you want to adopt a child, you have to go through an agency and do it like really officially. Well, in some states in the US, there's a lot of couples who are like seeking to adopt and looking to adopt. So there's a looking to adopt hashtag Is this on just Instagram. Because a buying a baby situation? It's essentially buying, a, not buying babies, Wait, but like they, they can privately, like, they mm. can have to do it through an agency and make it legit. Okay. But like they can seek each other out. Anyway, just so people are what, aware. Like the baby can seek out a new parent? No, the pregnant woman oh, can sorry. seek out the appropriate adoptive parents. Okay. So to make people aware, there is a current Instagram scammer who is in the US pretending to be pregnant, scamming parents 
leading them to believe that she is going to give them the baby and then she just blocks them and goes quiet. Oh my, for what attention? For attention, is there any money for like, going? no, there's no money exchange. That was really strange Evil. about it. That story is, it's only in the, it's so only dark. in the media now at the moment. So I'm waiting for it to kind of unfold a little bit more before I really creep into it. But instead, I have a heartfelt catfish um, that's filled with joy and love and presumably a happy ending, which I assume happens at the end of Filter This. I have not reached the end of the book yet, but I am currently reading it and very much enjoying it. Oh. But assuming there's going to be a happy ending ish at the end of it given that it's because you know me so well and yeah. i have such a sunny outlook <laughs> <laughs> nobody dies in the end darkly like the main character is still going to be alive okay fine i'm just going to keep going and we'll cut out any of those people did not see your awkward eyes there <laughs> well look that was me just being like i can't make any promises but some people have told me they've cried okay oh. But I laughed. But I mean, nobody's <laughs> nobody is going. Okay, we're not going to get into. We're okay, not going to come this, on. This is not a book club. But anyway, so Emma Perrier is a petite brunette French woman from a town near the French Alps. But she moved to London and found a nice flat in Twickenham, and she was romantic. She says herself, and later in articles and in interviews, that she loves love. She loves to love. So. She moved to London. She really picked really up that accent. Didn't loves she? to love. Right. She moved to London, presumably sat in her little flat watching Notting Hill and The Notebook and wanted to find herself a nice English man. But unfortunately, she worked really long hours in a coffee shop in the financial district and she encountered more stockbrokers who were just looking for coffee, not looking for love. So when a young professional man named Connor rang the, rang the cafe that she worked at, asking her out on a date, she was totally smitten. Just, was, just from that. Yeah. Just like, from that. I mean, that's again? a romantic thing I'm to smitten. do. Love, he rang, love. He rang <laughs> the coffee shop. I was like, is that little French woman there? Little French the woman. The French woman that loves love. <laughs> I would love to take her out on a date. <laughs> so Connor was 11 years younger than Emma Emma was about 33 at the time and he took her on some lovely countryside dates they went to Kent they went fishing for carp near his parents home they held hands Nothing they went on nighttime like trips. love carp <laughs> <laughs> they dated Huge fishing you could definitely fuck a carp in a way I'd say loads of people don't. I mean you'd already be fucking it it's like, please. it'd just be like masturbating with a carp glove except please. it would be like gasping please. for breath That's oh my god sick that would be why do you man. bring animals into every story that I try to tell you're the one who brought up a carp yeah they're just fishing for carp not fucking them in the face <laughs> she loves love <laughs> yeah, she loves love <laughs> okay Let's go. Emma, who's 33. Oh, sorry. The couple dated for eight months. But then one day, out of the blue, at a train station, Connor turned around and said he never loved her. <gasps> oh, my never God. Loved her. It had been the carp all along. Yeah. <laughs> How long had it been going on? Eight months. Eight months. But bearing in mind, she's 33. He's 11 years younger. He's what? 22? One, two. 21, two. Why so, do we have to bear that in mind? Because he's young. I've got a 22-year-old brother. He's not going to be taking... He's got a lovely girlfriend. But, like, he's not going to be dating a 33-year-old woman and taking her fishing. Too many. And being settled to love, love and Fucking ready to... salmon <laughs> of a Wednesday. <laughs> no. Look, that's Would you at also. least sit in front of your microphone? If you're sorry, yeah, to, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> Emma 
threw herself into exercise. She was going to the gym like four times a week. She was a real pretty woman anyway, but she got herself really fit and she was like, I'm going to find love. I'm going to go on to Zoosk, a dating website that was for people who wanted to find relationships. So not like Tinder. This is in 2015, by the way. So really recent. She um, joined Zoosk. One of the O's in Zeusk is actually an engagement ring. So it's really like it's really for people who love love. This feels like the absolute no hunting welcome. ground for somebody. No, it's for people. Okay, fine. Yeah, busy love, people love. who work in the financial district to find love. Great. So <laughs> as soon as her dating profile was live, she started getting notifications and, and interest from people. And that evening, a private message arrived in her. The day she, the day she established her profile, a private message arrived in her inbox from a dark-haired Italian man named Ronaldo. Ronnie, Uh-oh. come Uh-oh. on! Would you stop, right? There's people. There's Italians called Ronaldo. Like there are people Uh-oh. called Ronaldo. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he was gorgeous. He was a dark-haired, wide-smiled, gorgeous man, but his message was hidden behind a paywall so with Zeusk you have to pay a 25 pound subscription to unlock your messages yeah love isn't free this is a love pyramid scheme so <laughs> that night Emma FaceTimed her sister and showed her the picture of pictures of Ronnie and she's like look this guy he's so handsome Sorry. is he calling himself Ronnie yeah as a shorthand because he's in London now he's got to fit in with the boys you know he can't go around as Ronaldo he's Ronnie takes the sheen off it though doesn't it <laughs> yeah, it makes him relatable I guess right so he looked like a model like he really you know he's really handsome um, but according to his profile Ronnie was a 34 year old electrician from the West Midlands just a mere 100 miles from Emma she was he was super handsome so Emma paid the £25 subscription to Zooks to be able to access the message. The message popped up and it said, you look beautiful. The two quickly bonded over their shared experience of being European in London and working blue collar jobs. As their relationship blossomed, they were bonding really quickly. But then Emma messaged him in Italian and she was surprised that he didn't understand what she was saying. Mm. He explained that his mother was English and that his father spoke in English too except when he swore. So he was raised on English. They began taking their chat away from Zeusk and onto WhatsApp and their relationship seemed to be exclusive. Um, they both exclusive agreed... Exclusive to... Each other, like... Text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exclusive text, but they both agreed to delete their dating profiles. And they were they seemed to be smitten with each other. Like Staying on the website. No, yeah, no they, yeah, they, they Sorry, take it over to WhatsApp. So one evening, Ronnie messaged um, Emma and was like, just totally smitten. He was like, you easily could have picked somebody else. And she was like, no, I only wanted to talk to you. I paid the subscription because of you. And he asked her for two. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> as soon as I saw your picture, I wanted you, he wrote. And Emma was delighted. She was really, really happy. But alas, as these things often go, Ronnie was a fictional character created by Alan Stanley, a short, balding, 53-year-old shop fitter who lived alone in Stratford-upon-Avon. Like, what did he think <laughs> was going to happen here? So, Alan... Did he think he But would... hold on, bless okay. Alan, right? Why? He's just in a bad place. He's a lonely guy. And in a really emotional interview that he gave to The Atlantic, he said he just was feeling really shit about himself. He wasn't attractive. 
He said he struggled so much with self-confidence. He was going through a messy separation. He was just feeling really shit and he just wanted somebody to talk to. He didn't want to put pictures of himself up on the internet. So he used these pictures that he found of a Turkish model. Still not okay. Of a Turkish model. Like he went top shelf there. Yeah, he did. He really did. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Like, like you should go. Like he'll never be able to kind of traverse the distance there. He should have gone for something closer to himself. He I mean, he's not. I mean, or, he should have just. You know what? Just he himself. Sh- he should have just gone as himself and just. I mean, he's fifty three. Emma's thirty three. He could have gone for somebody in in his fifties, and he's like, you know, he probably would have found somebody. Well, on that's Zeus. classic man, though, isn't it? To choose the super hot young girl, like mm. if you were, okay, I understand Ronaldo, being Ronaldo. But then I'd be like, you know, I'm going to go for someone closer to my age then. Yeah, maybe. I guess. But I suppose the pictures of the guy that he was using were in his 30s. So that's why he, like he wouldn't have put up a picture. He wouldn't have put up pictures of someone in his 30s and then gone after a woman in, in her 50s. Okay. That would have been really dodgy. I guess. Anyway, anyway. how did it come out? So oh, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there, right? Alan was absolutely captivated by Emma. It was the first profile he saw when he was on Zeus, but he had done, he had catfish women at least five times before. He'd oh, kind God. of just become like, but like he'd become on why, I don't know, I just, I just, I just. Yeah, fuck this guy. Anyway, right, he'd become online pen pals with single women from all over the world, but avoided video calls and meetings. He found the thrill of the tra- chase electrifying, but no awkward first dates. Um, and he just kind of he just he was just trying to have some fun and trying to have some exchanges with people and he said everyone fishing he said to the Atlantic everybody finishes yeah he said to the Atlantic everybody does catfishing was his excuse no Alan they don't now Emma at this point still unaware of Ronnie's true identity tried her hardest to arrange a meeting between the two of them so in a conversation she said one night you know why I started online dating she said, I wanted to meet someone and to start something with someone and to not be heartbroken, which is even more painful when you have met somebody. So I think she's getting that she's like falling for him, but he's not coming and meeting him her in person. So she's feeling like emotionally attached to someone who's not there physically. So she's just a romantic. <laughs> so Ronnie says, we both want the same thing. And she says, give me a date. I'll suit your availability. She asks him for dinner. She says she'll travel to him. She'll arrange the whole thing. She's begging him to arrange a a meeting. And she's, you know, she's asking him, is he nervous that there's not going to be a spark between them? He says that he thinks there will be. And then he says, I love you. And she says, I love you too. Because they love love. (laughs) (laughs) But then a colleague of Emma's, in this restaurant that she's working in, Zizi's Pizzeria, suggested that maybe he might not be who he says he is if he doesn't want to meet. So she was telling this her co-worker Abraham one night that about how they'd met and how he was or whatever. And he was just like, no, Emma, if he doesn't want to meet you, it's probably not him. So by the spring of 2016, Emma's family were getting really frustrated with him. So he'd refused. They'd been talking for about six months. He'd still refused to meet her. And they had said that she should cut off all contact with him, that there was obviously something really dodgy. She said she didn't want to listen to them. But one even one evening after work, she was kind of growing suspicious and she downloaded an app on her iPad called Reverse Image Search. So she said 
in this interview with the Atlantic that she was really scared of using it for the first time. She uploaded the photo of Ronnie wearing his leather jacket, which is a photo that was one of her favorites. The results arrived in seconds. The man in the photos was a model and actor from Turkey called Adam Gazelle. Emma was really confused. Adam as well. Adam. Oh, Alan. No, Alan and Adam. She found his model management website. She found his Twitter account. She found his Facebook. She found his closest connect. And she found everything about it that just proved that he was a, um, he was a real person and all his profiles were legit. He has, in a very, like, odd, just coincidence, he studied acting in the gaiety. Oh, yeah. there you go. Local creep. <laughs> so she gets back on to Alan. Innocent person. Not a creep. Not creep. <laughs> Local creep story. <laughs> nice guy. Local tr- connection. Local connection, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have anything to tell me about Adam? She wrote to Ronnie in a text <gasps> message. It is me. It is me, Alan replied, thinking fast. He said that they were his modeling pictures from before and that he'd used another name a Give long it time up. ago. Jesus, it was a Alan. long time ago, he promised. Alan! But... She still kept chatting to him until August of that year when he got into computer troubles and he bought a new laptop. He set it up and he texted her. Why did she continue? Because she she kind of chose to believe him, I think. Or like she was having conversation with him and she seemed to be pretty like smitten with their chat anyway, you know. Um, And it's what she wanted to so much to believe that it was him. So when he bought a new laptop and he set it up initially, like this is what I figured happens. You know, when you have a Mac and you message someone from iMessage on your computer sometimes your email address pops up in the text that's instead right instead of your phone number so he sent her a text message and the email address said Alan Stanley oh no <laughs> come so, on so Alan she Alan Stanley so she continued to text him fucking Italian upon time um, so he, she obviously was like what the fuck and he said he bought a second hand laptop from a guy called Alan and that oh. was actually really him right but she typed Jesus. the email address he's not getting tired of his own shit and he's, there's a lot of like there's, there's a lot of massive red flags here, right so she typed the email address into Google and discovered like loads of evidence that kind of undermined the stories that he had told her as Ronnie that maybe there was a lot of connection between Ronnie and Alan um, so she rang him and confronted him and Alan broke down and confessed everything first he tried to deny it and then he broke down and confessed everything did he answer <laughs> I'm a cat fisher my Everybody. name's Alan Shatter Everyone <laughs> I've <does>. just shat myself <laughs> Alan Stanley I'm Alan Stanley, <laughs> Stanley. everyone does cat fishing um, everyone does it everyone does it it's fine it's, I was just lonely I love love too. Um, <laughs> I love a pickled beetroot and I love love <laughs> <laughs> he told her Everything. Emma said she felt like a fool. They both cried. Oh my God. Alan you said guys just get big, together. They're actually so annoying. Big error of judgment. The worst and biggest mistake of his life. And while he was telling her the truth, he still told her he was 50 and shaved a good like three or four years off his age anyway. So even in the truth, he was lying, right? Oh God. So Emma was trying to deal with Alan. She wanted to try and keep speaking to him, which we've seen happen so often in these catfishing stories where they stay in touch because the catfishy wants to understand why the catfisher did it. Um, so they're still talking. But while she's talking to Alan, who she now knows to be Alan, she decides to fire off a message to Adam in Turkey 
just to let him know that someone is using his images. So she says, hello, Adam, we don't know each other, but a year ago I met a guy online and that man is using your pictures and pretends he is you under another name. Wasn't sure if getting in touch with you was a good idea, but I just thought you should know. Kind regards, Emma. Fired off the message. I think she DM'd him I on the Insta. I think we both know where this is going. Ooh. Right? I know because I... Never mind. I know this story. Yeah, because you watch this morning that's right on the YouTube. <gasps> oh my god so Nothing adam gets past jen if it's been on this morning adam almost didn't reply he was at home with a cold in turkey and um, but he said there was something about the sincerity of emma's message that intrigued him he replied in english and the conversation quickly flourished <gasps> and yes! days later the two facetimed no shit yeah so emma says i wasn't sure of course that it was him i always was in doubt and Adam said, I never do FaceTiming, but somehow I wanted to do it with her. And as he answered the phone, We're she so said, romantic. you're so real crying. You really do exist. Weird. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> but then. But She's then. She's going to do that all the way through sex. The interview <laughs> was a little so like real. that. Too. Oh, my God. No spoilers. I'm okay, going to cut okay, that piece on, out. Come on. Sorry. So before, as, as they, they were getting to know each other, right, that was fine, yeah, whatever. They're internet friends. Bear in mind, she's in London, he's in Turkey. Yeah. So she's still having these conversations with Alan, where she's trying to understand what happened. And they decide that they're going to meet in real life because she wants to, he felt like he needed to apologize to her in person. And she felt like going to meet him in real life would help her understand what would happen. So in, in November 2016, the two met up. Now, in their retellings of that night, their versions really differ. Oh no. Alan describes it as being remarkably romantic. It was lovely. Emma said it was totally forgettable, not so romantic at all. Alan says it was the perfect night. She paid for dinner that evening. She, an Italian restaurant in Paddington. She he, paid for dinner? Yeah. After he, everything. Alan, you are scum. He pay for dinner. He even insinuated that she stayed the night in his hotel. Oh, oh my God. As a gentleman, I'm very reluctant to talk about that side of things, he said. Fuck you. Emma oh my just... God. Alan, shove your dick in a car. You fucking... Emma <laughs> just flatly denied <laughs> just it. Just fucking shove it in a car door and close it. <laughs> she said she was pleased to meet him and that was it. <laughs> oh um, my God. She's Ooh. so polite. So, but then Adam is living in Turkey and then he goes off to live in this kind of remote village. So he's like trying to make it as an actor and a TV presenter and he's finding it really hard. He's not getting any breaks. He goes off to live in this remote village where there's very little like, like Wi-Fi or phone signal or whatever. So they're not really chatting. But then in January 2017, kind of three, four months later, after everything has sort of closed down, they spark up conversation again, right? But obviously, Emma is like, I'm not doing this long distance thing. This is bullshit. I'm not falling in love with the same guy, but another guy on the internet, essentially. So she was just like, fuck this. Do you want to come to London? And she had no intention of like flirting with him. It wasn't necessarily that she wanted to be in a relationship with him, but they were just chatting and she invited him to London. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. So he was really curious to meet her. And he said, absolutely, I will come to London. And then on April Fool's Day 2017, Emma was standing in the airport in London's Heathrow waiting for Adam to arrive on his flight. And he did walk through arrivals and he was taller than she expected, but absolutely, (laughs) definitely the man from the photos. 
Emma, a caring, <laughs> loving person who loves love, made him an egg and mayonnaise sandwich in case he was hungry. And as Ew. he came to arrival, oh, I mean, a couple, Jesus. at least a couple of it. Like, Fucking it's going to be. They don't travel well. I'm going to oh, say. That smell you just hit at you least two hours world. out of the fridge. Like, oh, at least. No. Anyway, she brought it in case he was hungry. Maybe it was a thing between them. And when he lifted the egg and mayonnaise sandwich to his mouth, she saw his hands were shaking and knew that he was as nervous as she was. Absolutely. Adam says, (laughs) I was really nervous. They walked into, (laughs) they walked out into the cold to try and get an Uber. It was taking forever. And when Adam said there was a nervous, quiet energy between them, and they were standing on the footpath, waiting to find this car, or get their Uber, which is hell in London. It's really hard to get a taxi or get an Uber or wait for it. And he stepped off onto the road to try and spot the car. And when he turned around, <gasps> it was not. This is not one of those news. He was like floored by the Uber. But as he turned around, he realized that he had stepped down and that Emma and him were now on eye level facing each other, him off the curb, her on the curb, both love, love. And there they had their first kiss. Egg sandwich. Egg sandwich kiss. Oh, what a cock block that was, Emma. But they still did well, kiss. she obviously stomached it. How she that made your it? reaction? It was a beautiful moment that I built up there perfectly. Oh, no, sorry. Absolutely. We all Anyway. And then, like all love stories, they went on. He they got hit by a bus. Um... So their story became a tabloid sensation. Um, by the time this, so they were on this morning. Now, this is the thing, right? Shit, I remember searing the, hearing the This Morning interview or seeing it. I mean, like, that's remarkable. That interview was filmed a mere three weeks after they'd first met or something. Like, because they were a tabloid sensation by the end of April 2017. So, like, within the month. Yeah, Amazing. But, it's a lot of that's pressure. a lot of pressure. Yeah, but there was, like, they're both... God love them. Like they're just getting to know each other. Like, but the Atlantic article was written six months after they first met, and by the t- no, a bit longer than six months after the first time they met. But by the time the Atlantic article came out, they had been living together in London for six months. Um, and by my current stalking, they're still together. Happy Yay. days! Yeah, Happy Adam out. and Emma, go them. Now there is a lot of difficulties because of Brexit and stuff. He cannot stay in London for longer <laughs> than six. Fucking- he cannot stay in London for longer than six months at a time and he cannot currently work so he's currently auditioning in London for the part of Aladdin Um, best of luck luck I don't think it's the West End I think it's just a community centre show he can't work like but anyway seems (laughs) to be grand community centre show no what a story oh my god it was so uplifting until the community centre stage production of a lot that's ad lib that's ad lib (laughs) thank you Cassie yeah he's not working anyway but does she happy as that was lovely that That gorgeous Instagram that was lovely he has or she has they both do they're on each other's Instagram all the time oh Oh my god adorable isn't that nice I love it catfish with a big heart beautiful (laughs) thank you I think we should change it to carpfish no, <laughs> it was a that is a good one. What do you got, Sophs? I'll uh, tell you what I have. Okay, you tell us. Yeah, I have. Um, will I give you my Buzzfeed, and maybe you can choose between the pair of us? Oh yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna call it what the book is called. Yeah. Deal with the devil. 
Ooh. Down under. Added that last bit. Ooh. Okay. What do you have? I'll, we can choose. I'll go. Uh, I'm going to go with death sliding down under. Dick. Death. Death. Death sliding down under. A death slide in down under or death sliding? Both. It's both. It can work both ways. What do you want, Cass? God, tough. Um. So we're both down under. You're both down under. Down under. I fucking love it. Yeah. It's gonna be impossible not to stop doing this. (laughs) Give me your headline again. Deal Deal with with the the devil. devil. Dot dot dot. Down under. You know how I feel about devils. There's no devil. There's no. It's just a saying. It's a saying. There's a bad man. Let's okay, go her. Let's, yeah, go, let's her. go with you. Let's, let's go. go with you. Okay, I was doing the research can on this. Sophie pitch in with the accents. What please? do you mean? I can do my own. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shut up, both of you. This, I got a little confused, right? Because this story was called the Levison story, and didn't I then start accidentally combining the Levison Tribunal? I was under pressure Didn't I then Just as a sort of I was like Jesus There's a lot of Irish articles on (laughs) Cross pollination Cross pollination I got a bit muddled But um, (laughs) Here he is Matty Levison Was 20 Matty Matty When he went missing In 2007 11 7 I know but he was 11 He was 20 What is happening Okay, you Are just you quiet the same pipe story? down, Prego. <laughs> Matty Levison was 20 when he went missing in 2007. Okay. Shut it. I think it's because Levison, Levison, Levison was. Yeah. This Are is, you not becoming a, a tongue twister? Can he, I be out of it? Oh, forgot. Like, I'm trying to do my story. You know how annoying it is, actually, now. I'm going to be talking about you're just doing people. all background noises. All right. I love how you moved your head away from the microphone but kept the clicking noise oh, right there. So annoying. Cassie loves a bit of an edit. Helps her feel Don't essential. Oh, listen, I'm just going home. Oh, uh, no, come on. He was last seen in the early hours of 23rd of September leaving a Sydney <laughs> nightclub. Sorry to introduce a new, new number. Uh, with his boyfriend, Michael Atkins, who was in his 40s. Let's just say 45. Okay. And this guy's 11. No. <laughs> oh my God. 20. 20. Right? Levinson is his last name. It's very confusing. So I have an extract. This get Okay, this is going to get complicated. Let me just simplify it now. Okay. There was a big age gap between these two lovely men. Mm-hmm. Sorry. One <laughs> lovely man and devil man. Who that now I will tell you about. <laughs> he, there was a large age gap, right? No yeah. one liked this guy. No. He's a fucking weirdo. Yes. Let's be honest. The age gap was too intense. His pictures make, he looks like a weird man. He was twice his age. Matty Levison is lovely. Is he? Loved by his parents, had a brother and sister, also very loved human. Now, his parents were very accepting of his relationship and the fact that he was gay, no problem. But uh, definitely didn't like this guy too much. And uh, maybe it was the age gap. He was also kind of a weirdo. It was pretty clear from yeah, the interviews yeah. you can see from him after the fact that he was 
he wasn't a warm and cuddly kind of guy. Okay, okay. Um, so Maddie went missing, and Michael said, "Okay, there's a picture of them. There's a video CCTV of them leaving the club together." Yes, that was the last anybody had seen of Maddie. Mm. Michael held on to the to his line, which was he. Got up in the morning and Matty was gone from his apartment. Okay. A few of his belongings gone too. Okay. He was suggesting that he'd run away to start a new life. Now, everybody, they did. They did live together. Uh, Nobody bought this. Yeah. And the parents especially were like, no way, that's not our son. There's no way that happened. Well, nobody comes home from the club and can get their shit together enough to run away and start a new life yeah but he was like why would I, why would he start a new life he would go back to his family he was he's happy as far as everyone was concerned he's only 11 he's got this whole life ahead of <laughs> him. Whole life ahead of him. Um, so obviously missing person without a body there's not a whole lot police can do mm-hmm. like he was of age he could have gone away like the sort of the case sort of ends there. Yeah. Except obviously not for the family who are completely in bits about mm. this and are absolutely positive. Something. something Michael yeah. did something to Matty. And uh, like, wow, what year did this kick off then? Uh, ten years later. No shit. We, they managed to, the parents managed to get a case together and kind of persuade the local police officers to take get on their look. side and take another look and let's kind of focus in on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they do. And they get Michael Atkins into the courtroom. And I'll read you through. This is Friday, November 4th, 2016. This is the fifth and final day of Michael Atkins' evidence. Uh, and it opened in spectacular fashion. What I'm reading here is an extract from Deal with the Devil by journalist Grace Tobin. So she was there. So this is where a final breakthrough was made. And Michael Atkins was caught lying. So here, there was a piece of evidence to suggest that he'd done something wrong, Mm -hmm. which meant there was a case. Okay, so I'll read this. So the final, the fifth and final day of the Michael's Atkins evidence opened in spectacular fashion. Each day this week, You have stood up. You have faced her honour and sworn by Almighty God to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Fernandez begun prosecution. Michael says, yes, you have taken the oath that you have made every morning seriously. Yes, says Michael. The public gallery leaned forward in their seats. The focus in Fernandez's voice was razor sharp. On Monday, you gave evidence that you... um, Relay relied on the police to find Matty. So you told them the truth in order to help them. Do you recall that? Michael Atkins tapped his foot on the floor. Yes, vaguely. Yes, yes. I asked you when you spoke to the police about Matty, whether you told them the truth. Do you recall that? Yes. This was the moment Dr. Yule, um, another guy in the courtroom, was counting on. Another prosecution guy. Uh, Your evidence was you did tell the police the truth. That is your evidence here in this court. Michael says, yes. You agree that in your interview to police, you told them lies, don't you? And Michael says, yes. What? Prosecution, Mm. you've lied in your evidence in this court, haven't you? On Monday, when you said you told the police the truth, Fernandez says, that's right, isn't it? A pause, 
A beat of silence before Atkins replied, yes. So heads wobbled from side to side in the public gallery as the Levison supporters and gathered journalists searched each other's faces for answers. Atkins had just admitted to lying to the court. Now what? So 10 years after his first disappearance, no sign of the body, Michael Atkins holding fast for 10 years yeah. that he absolutely didn't know anything yeah. about it, had never seen Maddie again. That was the end of it. And here we have him lying. So to confuse matters even more, the council assisting um, proceeded as though nothing had happened, launching into his most memorable stunt. So, uh, so they weren't just confusing him with words, though, were they? Not at all. Because okay, I'm like confused so, with the words. So and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I know he what he was saying yes to. So he said he agrees that he was li- he lied to the police. Yeah. So he's now I admitting know, that he lied to the police previously. Yes. Yeah. About knowing whether or not. He, well, sorry. Yes, exactly that. So but because the prosecution has stood there and said, you're telling the truth, you've sworn to tell the truth, you've told the truth to the police. He's saying yes. He's saying, and now you have to tell the truth, you have to tell the truth, but you lied to the police before. And he says yes. 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 So. Uh, it does. It's like a weird. Don't worry. To confuse matters even more, the council assisting proceeded as though nothing had happened. So he sort of like glossed over what had just happened. The audience kind of going. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, launching his, into his most memorable stu- stunt. So then he starts saying, do you believe in forgiveness? He started. Yes, I suppose. Atkins shrugged. Do you believe in compassion? Yes, Atkins said. You've never had the chance to say to Mark and Faye, Matty's parents, something about losing Matt. Have you? Atkins remained silent, pen in hand. The author felt goosebumps uh, darting up her arms. Things were about to get intense. Have you ever had that chance? No, said Michael Atkins. With a sweeping movement, his black robes billowing around his arms, Fernandez swiveled his body to face Mark and Faye Levison, the parents. I'm going to give you that chance now. Please stand up, Faye. Please stand up, Mark. Mark got to his feet and assigned a spot at the bar. Faye swiftly joined him from the public gallery. Here are the parents of Maddie Levison. Their son is dead and they believe you killed him. The drama of the courtyard had reached dizzying heights. Would you like to say to Mark and Faye? What would you like to say to Mark and Faye? Atkins stared blankly at Fernandez, frozen in horror. Look at them, not me. Fernandez bellowed. Look at them. Atkins made eye contact for a split second with his former boyfriend's parents. I want to say I'm sorry, I suppose, he faltered. Sorry? Sorry, I suppose, Fernandez mimicked. Sorry for what? Sorry for what? Now look at them. Not me, them. So Atkins rounded his shoulders, barely looking at Mark and Faye Fernandez. And Fernandez barked, sorry, I suppose, for what? And for your heartache. Atkins says, do you have any idea how much heartache they go through every day? No, said Atkins, swiveling his eyes back at Fernandez. No, look at them, not me. I don't need any apologies. Do you have any idea what their lives are like, not knowing where their son is? No, says Atkins. At that point, Pete and Jason, his brothers... Uh, Matty's brothers rose to their feet in the public gallery side by side in solidarity they made their way to the bar table to stand alongside their parents family supporters family and supporters wept eyes and noses streaming Uh, this author looked up at the ceiling to keep the tears at the back of her eyes the lump in her throat cut like glass sorry I suppose that's what you'd like to say to them is there anything else you'd like to say to Mark and Faye and here's Peter as well and his brother is there anything you'd like to say? Yes, said Michael. This is the Levinson family. What would you like to say to them about Matty's loss? 
Atkins bowed his head, stared at his sneakers, covered in shit, whatever. I'm sorry, he said. What are you sorry for? Their loss. If he's gone. A round of incredulous scoffs burst out of the public gallery. If he's gone, Fernandez said. Yes. So the Levison family believed you killed Matt. Can you look at the Levison family and tell them whether or not you killed Matt? Atkins' gaze remained fixed on the, fixed on the ground. Look at them, screamed your man. Fernandez. Fernandez. No, he said, snapping his head up. I did not kill Matt. So Pete Levison exploded with rage. That's bullshit. That's uh, Matt's dad. Oh, the dad. Or brother, you're right. That's bullshit, he, yell- he yelled at Atkins. Fernandez continued, would you like to say something else to the Levison family who are right here in front of you, who you've never said anything to before about, lo- about Matt's loss? Atkins remained silent. Would you like to say anything else to them about Matt's passing? I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry Matt's not here. Pete called across the court, the courtroom, Matty's brother. Where is he? Um, Michael said, I don't know. You know, you have the chance here to end the suffering of the Levison's family go through. You know that, don't you? Fernandez paused. Yes. All the Levison family wants to know is where Matt's body is. Are you able to tell them where Matt's body is? No, said Michael. But Michael Atkins was exactly where they wanted him to be. He was cornered and facing prosecution. So he's facing prosecution at this time because he's he admitted, admitted he, lied. he lied. Yeah. Um. So, so I'll just read on. This is interesting. So the hype went unnoticed by a pair of detectives standing in a private nook within the university campus. Uh, Gary Jublin and Scott Craddock had bolted from there to, from the coroner's um, court across the road with another guy, uh, the barrister for New South Wales Police. Anyway, f- away from the cameras and prying eyes, the trio had convened this impromptu meeting. So what they basically were trying to work out here was how to get Mac Atkins to confess. Ultimately, the Levisons wanted Matt, Matty's body yeah. and the police were saying, okay, well, we may not be... So they just basically decided between them with the permission of the family that they could offer Michael Atkins complete immunity from any prosecution. No jail time, nothing. If he, he told them where the body was. So, can they do that? Yeah. God. So, that's terrifying. It was a deal to the devil, with the devil, Faye Levison said to this. Uh, so, that's his mum. Yeah. So, her family was forced into a corner by a legal system that couldn't provide them with anything even remotely resembling justice. By this point in 2016, it was more than nine years since she'd lost her precious Maddie, and she and Mark had tried every possible route. We thought this was the last throw of the dice. If we didn't do this, we'd end up with little more than we already had. It was a gamble. Mark Levison admits that's Matty's dad. He and Faye knew that outsiders will struggle to comprehend the choice they ultimately made to do a deal with the most evil person they knew. But their children came first. Having Matt's body returned to the family was a prospect they simply couldn't turn down no matter the cost. So... Uh, Michael Atkins thought he could hide his young boyfriend's. So basically what Michael Atkins then went on in this kind of intense interview session with which is all filmed. And he admitted... In the court still? No, no, separately in the police station. So he, his line, which he then stuck to, was he woke up the next morning to find Matty dead in the living room uh, from an overdose of GHB. I didn't look up what that was. I'm sure it's a drug. 
GHB. Anyway, let me just scroll down here if I can get his exact words. Uh, so, gamma hydroxybutrate. Something. Psychoactive something. drug. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So he, his statement said, I thought it would be better for Maddie's family that I buried him just outside of town rather than tell them that he li- let that them he live with the shame of an overdose death. So he it's went, liquid ecstasy. ecstasy. Okay. So anyway, so he, in his statement as well, he said, I woke up to find Maddie there on the ground so I lay with him for more than an hour oh you're like what what At, unnecessary why? detail absolutely right so anyway he took Matty no he didn't he then went and bought a hacksaw oh my and god. some duct tape in the local woodies oh my god which is Wait, all on CCTV as well shit they could actually rustle it up yeah well before After that without a, time. they already had that they had no body. Oh, they had seen him buying the... Sorry, the yeah, probably should have mentioned corpse that. Corpse-burying kit. Yeah, but they had uh, no body, so oh. nothing. So he... It was hard to tell whether he was lying or not, but he went through hypnosis in order to kind of recall exactly where the body was. So you remember, like, without a body, he's open to prosecution. So it's in his best interest now to... to provide them the right location. ...be found. Oh, my God. So his first suggestion, no body. He was determined that this body was there. So he went then with the kind of digging squad back to the location. And there was like a big kind of fern plant that he was like, it's under that plant. And they dug the plant up and there was the fucking body, like 60 inches underground. But 10 years had passed. So then the feeling was we might have him if we can work out how he died and then we can pin it back on Michael oh yeah it is foul play yeah but the coroners couldn't they couldn't work out there was no it was in there was no they couldn't work out how he died basically no evidence on the skeleton yeah so Michael is roaming free Uh, he followed closely by the Daily Mail oh my god who wrote an article about him like once a year so he upsticks and moves every year or so he works as an electrician uh, he, Matty's parents obviously took the body uh, they do loads of fundraising for the LGBT community they're really invested in that they took the plant palm tree and have it in their garden now which is kind of nice I suppose mm. but your man Michael fucking Atkins oh free as a motherfucking bird isn't that demented absolutely insane so it's some weird law in Australia where they can just disregard any sort of punishment they could offer him that deal with the permission of the family absolutely bonkers it's kind of mad that they took it it's isn't bonkers it? it's mad wild I'm mad I'm fucking scared for Aussies yeah so there you Jeez. go so I'd love to I should have found a location for Michael now <laughs> so that anyone in the area of his wouldn't just call a could just get a yeah, don't just get any old electrician. Yeah. Has he not changed his name? No. Interesting that. I wonder if that was a part of the deal. Like to not be allowed Absolutely. to shed the identity. Perhaps he could. He didn't have any, yeah, well, no personal immunity or whatever you call it. Yeah, there you go. Oh my God. Weird. Awful. Awful, isn't it? Like no, just 
fucking bonkers that he's walking around. But crucially, he never admitted to killing him either. Still, I guess, why would he? But what a fucking fucked up person. Yeah. God, like to face down the family like that. Yeah. Like that sounded like an intense scene. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. How like you, would he not want to just end it all like one way or another? Yeah. Like wh- how could you, you know what I mean? Like. But like why did he never, like why did he, ne- being devil's advocate, why did he never proffer that as an explanation beforehand? Like why he could have rang an ambulance and like here I know what and when the paramedics arrive say I know what happened but he killed him so yeah, yeah obviously but like, but like that's I mean how like how is his how are they accepting his version of events yeah when it's you know so ludicrous how are they not like because they can't prove otherwise <sighs> fucking law oh, fucking hell fucking hell mate it's a kangaroo court that is right right on right Home and away. <laughs> so there you go. What do you got from Australia? I've got, as I said, death sliding down under. Come on. So um, let's kick off with Anthony Hampel, uh, known to his friends as Ant, who lives in a very fancy apartment building, Valencia, um, in Australia. <laughs> just somewhere there alright um, with his girlfriend slash roommate Phoebe and so one Thursday night um, Anthony was coming back into his uh, apartment building in the basement car park 6 o'clock he's using his security fob to open the gate it's quite a kind of you know yeah. protected building He'd been out since very early uh, that morning. He'd left at quarter past eight to go hit the gym uh, just after 9 a.m. And then on for a busy day at his events company because he's kind of a music promoter. Okay. And uh, so he got back up to the floor where he lives. 12th floor apartment. Let himself in. Couldn't remember later if the door had been locked or not. He, was it unlocked when he got there? Uh, no, he couldn't remember. He couldn't oh, remember okay, okay, when okay. he was questioned later. Oh, I thought you meant he was locked. outside and he couldn't remember where he'd locked it earlier on. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. He, later, he couldn't recall whether he had had to unlock to uh, come back in. That's pretty His strange, isn't it? Little bull... Well, I suppose... But I yeah. suppose when you're being questioned... I think questioned, that is pretty strange. When you're being questioned, you don't want to say anything definitively. I guess so. Anyway, his little terrier, Yoshi, was in there. Cute. Um. Bit of a shit show inside the apartment. Uh, cushions had been dragged from the couches. There was a bit of kind of the stuffing being pulled out of them. Seemed like Yoshi had been a bit mm-hmm. of a on one. Little, bit kind of kinda on one. Uh, but no sign of Phoebe. So Phoebe is 23, 24. Phoebe Hanschuk is her name. Uh, very beautiful very uh, intelligent, creative young woman. Uh, They've been going out, but the relationship had kind of hit a rough patch of late. Right. Uh, Phoebe had been threatening to move out. She'd kind of been like out on the raz with her friends a fair bit, uh, whom he and considered to be kind of low lowlifes. He didn't really approve. Then she'd kind of come back and kind of, they'd like have a sort of like, you know, drunken sort of reconciliation or whatever. So she was sort of still there. But things weren't looking great. Then 
aunt was kind of buzzing around the kitchen a bit, spotted Phoebe's keys and handbag. Right. Mm. So you can't leave the apartment building without keys because you wouldn't be able to get back in. It's, as I said, there's all fobs Fobs and things like that to get in. And he was like, where is she gone without her handbag? There was also kind of post-it notes stuck around the place to counters and cupboards Mm -hmm. with sort of like slightly illegible scribbles on them. Right. Um, Which he knew were brand new. He hadn't seen them in the morning and the cleaner had been there the previous day. So she'd been wiping down everything. Then he found what he later described as a shrine constructed on the bed in their bedroom. Uh, it was kind of comprised of a photo of himself and Phoebe, a photo of her cat, and what he described as a load of rambling notes. The notes she writes when she's smashed, and then I make a little sense, as he later described them. Okay. Scathingly and unlovingly. There was also candles burning, and Phoebe's hair straighteners were plugged in on the ground and on. Okay, so it seems like she's... Just like, been there. What yeah. floor is the building on? Twelfth, so twelfth floor of this apartment building. Were the windows open? Um, no mention of windows being open. It's about ten to seven, um, and had been home for about forty minutes. And uh, Phoebe's father, um, called her on her iPhone, um, just separately, like they hadn't been speaking yet. And Len and Aunt now have different accounts of what happened next. Okay. So according to Len. Aunt answered the call on Phoebe's phone. And Aunt said he didn't hear Len call Phoebe's phone, but called him from his own phone a minute later. Huh? Say that again? So basically, they bo- they know they had a conversation right before seven, oh. but they both seem to be arguing about on what phone this conversation took place. Surely they have a record yeah, exactly. So the dad thinks that he rang Phoebe's phone and Aunt answered. Aunt says he never heard Phoebe's phone ringing. He rang the dad on his phone. Now, there is records, but as we will see, all of the investigation into this case was botched the fuck off. But her phone is there with her wallet, with her purse and her keys. Seemingly, yes. So it wouldn't have been that unusual if he'd picked up her phone and answered. No. Because he's trying Did to Did him out. and the dad have that sort of relationship? No, not really. So you're not going to answer the phone to someone's dad if he didn't. Well, like uh, Phoebe's dad, like Phoebe's parents were split up, but she had a good, decent relationship with both. I don't think they loved Aunt and his family. It definitely feels like they're quite like on different pages. Although if you were concerned, you would. You'd be like, oh, I, all her stuff's here. And Well, um, Aunt obviously explained that Phoebe wasn't there and Len was a bit concerned by this. Yes, because the day before, Phoebe had sent a message um, from her iPhone um, that people thought was a little strange. Didn't sound like her, huh? So the message was, Hi family, I'm in bed and about to sleep and when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you've ever seen. Huh. Not. I will go to hospital. It's safer there and I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious, nutritious. I love you all very much but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that. But time is sleep and I must be on my way. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. Kiss, kiss. Okay, so her dad called her. Yeah. Because of that crazy message. So she had sent the message to her dad, aunt, her boss, uh, her mother, brothers, uh, grandmother, few peeps. So then at the Valencia 
uh, apartment building and feeling peckish calls the golden triangle to order a takeaway dinner delivery for one so just after eight um, so he's back in the gaff like nearly two hours to find hair straighteners plugged in candles burning sh- kind of weird shit everywhere and he hasn't located her hasn't given much effort into locating by the looks of things so but anyway when he's on the phone to the dad is the dad not like has she gone to the hospital what was that message about yeah like, yeah and no, the, no, I'm not like, recalling what she did earlier on was he on that he group says, chat he had received the text it wasn't a group chat they'd all just received the same message so anyway he buzzed in his uh, delivery boy with his dinner mm-hmm. and uh, the boy arrives up and he's like oh what's going on and uh, Anne's like, what do you mean? And then the delivery guy is like, well, the front of the building is swarming with coppers. And there's police cars, ambulance. I had to prop my bike up the street. I hope your dinner isn't cold, mate. Um, Excellent so, accent. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, ad-libbed the coppers and mate. Mm. Uh, to have swarms of police at Valencia was a unique event, obviously. And uh, Aunt, uh, in a selfless act, left his dinner to go cold and go down and see what was going on. So he uh, rocked up to a detective down in the on the ground floor uh, where obviously kind of chaos is reigning. And he was like, I live here. What's going on? And the policeman um, said that a woman's body had been found in the rubbish room. And um, Aunt immediately was like, well, my girlfriend's missing. Oh, my God. <laughs> but my tea's going cold. So I'll call up. I'll eat that and I'll be back down. So anyway, he was like, yeah, my girlfriend's missing. Could it be her? And he gave the detective some information. Um, They had matching tattoos. Mm -hmm. So he showed the guy his tattoo on his wrist. He was like, she has one on her wrist. She also has a tattoo on her stomach. And he went back upstairs. And They let him go upstairs? What? Yeah, I mean, so here's where problems start to arise. Because they had found a woman's body um, in the garbage room in the apartment building. But like immediate, like they didn't shut down any part of the building as a potential crime scene. So it was like just fucking people tramping in and oh, out yeah. of everywhere. Right, so, the, so what? She just killed herself and then put herself in the bin. Was that the idea? They were like, nothing suspicious here. <laughs> this, this is a sad occasion for all incident of misadventure. Like, there is a kind of a horrible detail, which is that after they discovered the uh, body, so the, discover- the body was discovered by the concierge who had been going into the garbage room looking for a broom. She opened the door with difficulty because Ooh. there was kind of something on the other side. She thought she saw a mannequin in the room and like leapt back out basically being like what is that I fucking hope that's a mannequin looked back in realised it was a woman called the ambulance do you know what position she was in Um, I'll go into that now but she called an ambulance and basically the uh, crime scene specialists arrived the ambulance people arrived but they never checked the body for vital signs and then there was like later as everything unfolded they started to get very freaked out. They had a lot of trouble identifying when she'd actually died. And they started to get really scared that she actually may have been. Oh, my God. Within saving. the realm of saving. That is, uh, that's astronomical of this, that they wouldn't have checked her. That's the very first thing. You but she, she it said looked. that no medically trained person attended Phoebe 
after she was discovered. No one laid hands on her to see if she was still warm or that if she was totally actually dead. Bizarre. Yeah, and the first people to enter the room after it was declared a crime scene were crime scene specialists hours later. What? Yeah. And so... How could this have how happened? How did Phoebe die? So what happened was that she had plunged 40 metres from the 12th floor down through the rubbish chute. No, it's okay. So that's a 12-storey drop inside a tiny Tube. tube. And at the end, she had hit a garbage compactor. Okay. That had virtually severed her right foot. When she landed in the room... This is horrible detail. She was still alive. Of course. I, they, I, the fall didn't kill her. It doesn't sound like it would. Sure it doesn't. But 12 stories. 12 story fall. I guess. But she was still down. straight down. So her head was. No. Crucially. No, no. Feet first. Well, that's what I mean. Her head was yeah. up. Oh, so head the was up. impact yeah. zone was her lower body. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what they found from the room was that she had crawled around in there in the dark. Trying, trying to, to figure find out where she was, way out, and died of blood loss. Oh, Jesus. bollocks! Un- she definitely could have been saved. Oh, unfucking, unbelievable! Like, but this this matches up with her text. Her text. Well, so the coroner's finding was that it was a tragic accident, misadventure. So, so when they did all the examination on her body, they found that she had very high levels of alcohol in her system. And also had been under the influence of the sleeping drug Stillnox, which was actually from Ant's Supply, his prescription. Okay. But and she hardly she climbed had into the chute for a slide, like. The coroner found Miss Hanschuk inadvertently fed herself feet first into the garbage chute while drunk and under the influence of Stillnox. So this is in December 2010. So, obviously, people took issue with this finding. Her family, her friends were like, who accidentally inserts themselves feet first into a garbage chute? She said she wanted to go to hospital. Yeah, okay. So, and they're kind of like, they did open an investigation. Um, They looked into things like her journals, kind of providing insight into her state of mind. And yes, she was kind of going on a lot of benders, kind of uh, drinking before this all happened. This was in December of 2010. And she, but she was also 23, 24. I kind of feel like if you, if I died at 23, 24 and people were looking at what I was doing in my life, I just don't Mm. know if it would have been very wouldn't have looked that together either. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah. Like you can't use the evidence of her going out drinking in her early 20s as proof, proof. that she would get herself into a garbage disposal unit and throw herself down 12 flights of stairs. Um, well, yeah, a 12-story drop. 12 stories, yeah. Um, I'm still a lot sort of her of, friends and I'm family. I'm still of that opinion. Are you? Jen, okay, well, wait, wait, let's, talk, let's just talk about get. a couple more details. Yeah. So a lot her friends and family find it very fucking hard to swallow. They were like... For, look, even at, like the remotest possibility that uh, she wanted to do that to herself, like they just couldn't believe that she would choose that method. Okay. Like, I mean, it's a horrific 
like, you know? Yeah. And in no way a certain outcome. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're just looking down a dark. You and don't she know what clearly the fuck has is access to loads of pills. Mm, and drugs. Yeah. They okay. she had spoken to her therapist about kind of worrying about her drinking and things like that. So she was like seeing a therapist again. If I died now, I'd be like, yeah, that people would be like, oh, yeah. So she was seeing a therapist. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, um, and she definitely seemed to have a certain awareness about kind of like her lifestyle. She wasn't ama- she wasn't overly happily happy with Aunt. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. They were what do we know up about? And Aunt? they were getting back together. Okay. Well, Aunt is the son of a retired Supreme Court justice, right? Of course. And stepson of a sitting county court judge. They are like a, a fucking high-powered ju- family. In this world of, you know. So nothing's going to no. stick to Aunt. Nothing's going to stick to Aunt. Um, in fact, Aunt's sister was convicted of dealing coke in 2014. And um, she actually ducked. Sorry. Um, she, she was filmed dealing drugs and possessing prohibited weapons. <laughs> And citing the embarrassment to her upstanding family, a magistrate let her off without a conviction of any kind. Wow. So that's the family that Ant comes from. So different to murder, mind you. Different to murder. True. But still. (laughs) Could even give her community service like. So. But they didn't. (laughs) Um, They... Sorry, sorry. God, I've lost my face because I went down looking for that (laughs) piece of factoid. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so here we go. There was some other stuff about the way her body was found and evidence at the top of the chute that definitely didn't. Well, no. But, for example, her jeans were found around her ankles. That's weird. And they had no idea when that had happened, but they did feel that that would like definitely impede a person climbing into a garbage chute. Well, if yes. she, it's not like it happened on the journey down. They would, they... Absolutely not. She had bruising on her body. Could have happened in the chute. But they felt there was some suggestion that some of the bruising looked like fingers around the arm. Okay. okay. Um, but it was hard to prove and definitely was not proven. Was there any suggestion of, of a... Of any kind of sexual assault? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, so, you know, the coroner decided she had climbed in by herself. But there was no fingerprints on the chute at the top. Very, very interesting. Ah. Like, whatsoever. That so is it definitely telling. speaks to somebody wiping putting it. her in. Well, putting it in and also wiping. Like, who the fuck, get, you know, can okay. get into a shoot without leaving? Well, were, his, were they, were, did, was it checked for his prints too? Any prints. Okay, great. No so prints it was found. wiped out. It definitely sounds like it. Yeah. The other thing was, on the night that she was discovered, a kind of a junior detective was like, we need to get the CCTV footage. And he spoke to one of the building managers who was trying to draw the detective's attention to the fact that there was a problem with the CCTV footage in that it had a very short loop and it recorded over itself something like every 12 hours. So he was really trying to get that across to them. But the CCTV footage was never recovered that night. 
And That's when the they first thing you should get. came back for it a few days later, it was of obviously it was gone. gone. So it almost immediately seemed to be a very lackluster, very feeble effort of investigation. Or a cover up. Exactly. So like they were not trying very hard because they didn't want to expose Justice Hample's so son. Just to rehash here. Yeah. She sent that text to all of her family. What day? On the Wednesday. Or what day and was she her body died found? on the Thursday. And it was the Thursday night. So her night. body was Thursday. found the Thursday night. Could so. it have been he did this on Wednesday and then there was some suggest? Sorry, okay. So he did this on Wednesday. Could he have called then his family before and panicking and they instructed him to wipe down? You know what I mean? Well, I'll stop you right there because there was, she was caught on camera leaving the Valencia building during a fire alarm earlier mm. on the Thursday. Thursday. So. so they knew she was alive around noon. Um, After the text message had been sent. Yes. Yes, the next day. But there is still doubt over the text message. But I'll just tell you a bit about her grandfather for a second was a retired police detective. And he was having none of this fucking story. And he decided to try and completely replicate the scenario in which she could have got herself into the shoot. Now, she was very physically able. She had a black belt in karate. But uh, the coroner's report is to be believed she was fucking... Out of her mind um, on uh, alcohol and still knocked. So you got two of her friends who have like a similar build, similar kind of athleticism. And uh, he got them to see if they could get themselves into an exactly same sized shoot situation. So the shoot is fucking tiny. It's spring loaded. So the door snaps back up. Okay. So if you can imagine, it's barely a bin in and of course... Okay. When you're pulling it out and down, yeah, this it's is a meter off the ground. Okay. And you're trying not to get your fingerprints anywhere, apparently. Um, if that's what, you know, if that's what we believe. And it is like just barely wider than a standard laptop. It is a tight, tight slot. Could they do it? Um, Even forget the fingerprints. Could they get forget, it? They could just about, but it was... It was possible, but it was an act of great physical dexterity, absolutely leaving fingerprints all over, especially above the hatch. And uh, they definitely felt that when she was three times over the legal limit of alcohol, there was no way she could have managed this. And probably like not had the the determination to do it when you're that drunk if something's that difficult. You have extreme strength bursts. Just playing devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. Please I feel like you have extreme. Sorry, sorry. I'm conti- I'm just getting excited here. I'll move the microphone. I feel like you have extreme clumsiness when you're very drunk. I feel like it's very fucking hard to achieve anything. Never mind something very, very difficult. Like what else do fly- we know? Like I once fell from completely standing stationary just to the ground. I don't think you can get it. I think the meter off the ground narrowness of the shoot. And the spring-loaded door, it all very different difficult. It's a story if you're telling me she went in head first. Exactly. No, very possible head first, but I just yeah. think so hard feet first. Um, he, also, the granddad got in a waste expe- expert 
um, to kind of uh, recreate it on the ground as well to see kind of like the body's reaction to kind of like shooting down through that tube and stuff like you went deep basically trying to recreate it and um, they all basically came to the conclusion that it would be impossible without leaving fingerprints in the surrounding area of the and hatch. Was there, I suppose what they also did an experiment where they got a strong male friend to try and put a woman into the chute when she was pretending to be unconscious. Okay. And that uh, was relatively easy. Huh. Um, shocker. S- shocker. So they... Uh, the boyfriend's behavior in the aftermath, Ant, was strange. Basically, immediately, everyone divided into two camps. Mm-hmm. Of kind of her family who just couldn't believe it was suicide and wanted to find out and investigate. It wasn't like they were immediately pointing fingers, but they just wanted. Didn't believe that she had done it. Yeah, they weren't saying it they, was Aunt. They no, just said they she just wanted an investigation. I'm in that camp. Meanwhile, Aunt and his family went into kind of a lockdown. But it wasn't suicide. Aunt. If you believe that, sorry. Because she didn't kill herself. And I, if you if you're in that camp. She intended to injure herself, if we're to believe the text she sent and the suggestion she would end up in hospital. Yeah. She said she was going to hospital that night on the Wednesday night. I think the text is Is indicative that she wasn't feeling well or wasn't feeling right. She says, I'll wake up as a better person, jokes, whatever. Okay, yes. She's going to take herself off to hospital. Hmm. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, it's been now dubbed the tomato soup text. Okay. Um, and apparently very out of character for I, the I, I feel like we're investigating this now. But like, so say, right, the aunt's dad, the retired uh, Supreme Court justice, like immediately took Phoebe's mom aside when she came to their apartment the kind of next day or that night and was like, you know, we're so sorry that Phoebe, like, you know, committed suicide. Like he told her. Yeah, pretty much outright that her daughter had done this, which is such bizarre behavior on so many levels. Um, they felt that Ant was like behaving very strangely. Even some of his own close friends gave evidence later that they felt Ant's reactions were very strange. Like? Like crying hysterical, hysterically the second... Um, you know, somebody connected to the family, her family came in or a detective and then like the next minute kind of updating Facebook. Okay. okay. Right. Um, Then there is also the matter of the iPhone conundrum. Who called who? Well, yeah. So this starts like basically at the start of the week on the Monday, they were out that night and Phoebe uh, was, they were having an argument, her and aunt, and she threw the phone um, apparently at annoyance at Ant's repeated calls. Right. Uh, so the next day, uh, at 4.30 in the afternoon, Phoebe used the iPhone, this is on the Tuesday, to text her granny to say she was okay. Mm-hmm. Then she go- went out, but appears to have left the phone at the apartment that night. And Ant says that he most likely used it to text her friends at 6.30, asking if they knew where she was. So that's on the Tuesday night. Then on the Wednesday, Ant initially told detectives that he took her iPhone when he left for work just after 8 a.m. and brought it to a repair shop. However, around 10.30 a.m. is the time the phone was used to send the troubling tomato soup message. So he really stepped in it there. Okay, he had the phone. 
seemingly. Then on the Thursday, the actual day of her death, and later altered his recollection of when the phone went in for repair, then saying, no, 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 I took it to the shop on the Thursday. Mm. The shop kept it. And there was no outgoing activity on the phone. And um, so th- he would some, have, yeah. So he would have been maintaining that he collected the phone presumably on his way home from work. No, he said that the phone repair shop kept it. That he dropped it there on the Saturday morning, like between gym and work or after work, or after the gym or whatever. On the Thursday morning. Yeah, day she died. And so initially it. he said I dropped it in on the Wednesday morning. Then the weird text was sent two hours later. Then he rejigged all of that later but, saying, sorry, I dropped, dropped it in on the Thursday morning. I do feel you would remember if you dropped it in the day she died. Yes, uh, yes because you would have Massively had to go so. collect it after her death. Absolutely. Well, exactly. Yes. So days later, who collects the phone from the repair shop? But aunt's father just how interesting and why the police wouldn't have taken that as a piece of evidence to go and hunt it down themselves immediately yeah it stinks it stinks they did a lot of shit that stinks for example there was broken glass and blood found in their apartment and they never investigated that further like they never tested the blood but hold on like this is just I know he's a retired um Judge, judge, mm. and they're connected, but this is just really shoddy, lazy investigation. Not because of he who he is who he is, because even if he had that much power over seventy percent of the coppers, and they're going to be corrupt, there's going to be one good copper who's going to be like, no, we need to figure this out. I think though it's just top down. Like if you are kind of a thinking that way, but you're sort of a pleb. Mm. There's no way you could pursue that case. Your your boss would just be like, nope, that's over now. You're not working on it. You don't get to make that call. Yeah. Do you know? So if the head the head guy decides it's a suicide and moves you on to another case, then you're gone. Okay. So basically it is ruled a miss death by misadventure that um the hand checks have been trying, Phoebe's family have been trying to get it ruled as open. More Australia corruption. <laughs> it's madness. They did um, officially uh, rule uh, Anne Tamble out as a suspect. What? Um, yeah, a couple of years later. But uh, he was kind of dogged by accusations. Mm. And he was kind of always flanked by his parents at all times. Like he's in his 40s. Well, that doesn't help is. the visual like of it. No. No, then... Why did I have these at like in their young guys? She's in her early twenties. I think I never said sorry. He was a bit older, yeah. Ah. And so even like he's a forty-three-year-old being accompanied by his dad everywhere to every single police interview. And yeah. if they ever requested the dad leave or anything, they just absolutely wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, accusations kind of dogged him, uh, despite having been officially ruled out as a suspect or, or in anything. But then, I mean, I thought this was kind of interesting. We'll kind of end on this because there is no resolution here, unfortunately. But in 2016, um, his sister, the one caught dealing drugs, Christina Hample, posted to Facebook a photograph of her and Phoebe with the caption, I just stumbled across my favorite pic of beautiful Phoebe. I miss you, darling. You were a fragile little flower that no one watered. 
You and your family were let down by the justice system and those who represent it. I only hope that one day the truth will come out so that they may have some peace. The post was deleted roughly 12 hours later. Fuck. Because her dad was like, get that, get that, get that fucking get thing that down. Get that fuck off. So, yeah. So weird. Weird. So what? The, that's it. That's, that's it. it. I'm sorry. It's ongoing. Well, it's 2016. It was. Well, there's nothing happening then. I mean, I'm sure the, the family nothing are still chasing happen. it. I don't know. If, yeah, the family are still chasing it. They were advised Just look, that it would bottom be too line expensive here. Don't to Don't get, get murdered there. in Australia. <laughs> because they're not going to do a huge amount. What was his second name again? His one is Ham Hample, H-A-M-P-E-L. And um, interestingly, they did look up if anyone had ever died like this before. And? Oh. And they found in Baltimore in the US, two people had died being put down the garbage chute in the same building less than a year apart. In Baltimore? In Baltimore, America. An aunt was there huh. at the time. <laughs> One was head first, ruled an accident. He was a man. Then less than a year later, a young woman in her 20s feet was first. put feet first through the garbage chute. Alive. Imagine that slide to hell, like I mean, you said. What was it? What did you call it again? Death slide. Death slide. But like... I honestly think that's kind of interesting that there was something out there that like years before somebody well it was around the same time I suppose there was one before could he have then Phoebe and then the second woman excuse me excuse me excuse me guys the mystery of Bailey Schneider how young model 25 was found dead in her parents floor after a row with her older boyfriend, 51, whose ex-lover died after falling down a garbage chute. <gasps> His what? following girlfriend dead. also found dead. Oh my Mother God. of shit bags. Sorry, that only happened this year. That happened this year, Soph. Wait, are you sure? The young woman's body was found in the kit. Well, if the Daily Mail is to be believed, guys. Now, there you go. Oh, case my closed. God. She was she died in 2018. This this is from the 25th of June 2019. It's been a year since the Cameron since Cameron and Sabine Schneider arrived home to find their model daughter Bailey unconscious on the kitchen floor. Dead? No. Yeah. Died later. When the, so her parents popped to the shop. When they returned, she was slumped against a cupboard, a gold cord around her neck. That fucking arsehole. Oh my god. That's crazy. Police, they're they're claiming it to be a suicide. Again? She had been she dating Anthony Hample, who's then 51, for nine months. The night before she died, she had attended a barbecue with Mr. Hample and they got into an argument. Psycho. Oh my God. Bingo, bango. Toxicology reports also revealed traces of cocaine in her blood. Any still knocks? <laughs> Um, friggin' hell. So I got lo- most of my info there from a brilliant podcast that has, um, that's called Phoebe's Fall. Oh. And um, it's by The Age in Australia. Fantastic. And I'm amazed they haven't included that part of the story yet. This but it's obviously ongoing. It? Next episode. Well, it's obvious that they can't, they had said repeatedly that they'd approached him for comment and he wouldn't. 
but they obviously had their hands tied because this is not in any way, I suppose, it's ongoing or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, we. I'm just going to go ahead and assume he's not going to listen, but because he's not been charged anything, we can't say he's a serial killer like I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have to have killed... It has, you have to be charged with something before I can How many say before she you was about to get really pedantic and oh, be like, sorry, it's actually three or more. Is it? I think yeah. it's just more. More than one. More it's than probably one, more no. than one. Oh, I don't think, know. I think that is just can... like, oh my God, that is just like the guy from the staircase. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to piss so okay. badly. Guys, that was fab. Guys, he has a blog. Okay, God. And Hample blog. Oh, his first post, How to Kill Your Girlfriend. No, I'm joking. Shut up. <laughs> joking. I referenced last week's creep. Nice. nice. See, well, cross, I, cross creep. Ref. I, I'm gone because I'm going to explode. Good night, Jen. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, uh, get tickets for the Cork Podcast Festival if you want to come see the Creep Dive live on the 13th of October in the Rebel County. Go on, you langers. Follow us on all the things at Dive Creep on Twitter, at the Creep Dive. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye. And we love you, patrons. Cheerio. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.